0: Hello, and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. It is episode 47, and we have been looking at over the past several weeks what it means for us to really look hard at, at what's going on when God is refining us, when we go through trials, when we go through through hardships uh, in our lives. and And it got me thinking, you know, we spend so much time taking a look at how we address hardships, things that have happened or are currently happening in our lives, that we should also probably address future tense. Uh, and and maybe for that, that would be looking at the fears that we have in our own lives. and And so it's very easy for us to identify hardships or trials and then say, okay, this is where God is refining me. This is where God is really working on me. As we look to the future, often there's fear in saying, well, I don't want to go through that refinement process. I don't want to go through something that I know is going to be difficult. I would like the easy way. When I uh, lived in Israel, we had uh, my siblings come visit, and I've got two sisters and a brother who no doubt if you've been on a Sunday morning, you've heard multiple stories uh, about them in sermons. But, But when we were in Israel, There's a mountain called Masada. And one of the things about Masada is is you can hike up it. And you have to get there early because it is in the Judean hills. It is in the wilderness. It is right down very low by the Dead Sea. And so it gets hot real quick. And I thought it would be a fun experience for us to go and hike that together. Now, the problem was is that there was also a gondola. And I know that my sisters would feel that the gondola was a much better experience. But I knew what was a better experience for my sisters. So I decided that I wouldn't tell them about the gondola. If you hiked up the right side of the mountain, you wouldn't even see the gondola. And so we did just that. And so we got up early in the morning. And if you know Millers, then you know that mornings are not necessarily our favorite time of the day. And we hiked all the way up there. And and I want to say that it was a good experience. I think we all, at the end, were very happy that we did that. We said we accomplished something. But then came the reality of of them saying, well, we have to hike down now. And I said, well, are you in luck? Because if you hike up, then you get a free ride down in the gondola. And let me tell you, at the mention of the gondola, I almost got thrown off the mountain, knowing that we could have been up the hill in five minutes rather than taking about an hour and a half uh, straight up the hill. I think we approach fears the same way. When we see that there is something on the horizon, we think, well, there's got to be an easier way in which we can do this. You can take it any way, whether it's that list that you know you've been trying to do around the house, and there's that one item on the list that you don't want to do, or whether it's in our own spiritual journeys, as we kind of say to ourselves Hey, I know I need to work more on and just fill in the blank, but I'm already good at prayer, so I'm gonna stick with that whatever it may be our spiritual disciplines work the the same way and and we live in a world that is is very much filled with with fear with anxiety with with phobias uh and and as we take a look at this, i mean there are phobias out there for. Uh, for all sorts of uh, things. Uh, when you look at the top 10 list of things that people are afraid of the most and fear the most, uh, number nine, you see something called brontophobia, which is not a fear of brontosauruses. That would be very high up on the list, if <laughs> weirdly. Uh, but it is, uh, it is terror of thunderstorms uh, and claustrophobia, is number five of confined spaces. And number one, I'm glad to know that I am not alone in this is fear of spiders. Uh, and so uh so I mean there are there are other phobias that we can see. Uh there is, I mean, uh ecclesiophobia, which is the fear of church, <laughs> and, and most of that is born out of of experience, right? Uh and maybe there's a fear of of convicting sermons. I don't know, but, but you may have phobias. I mean, we've all experienced fear at one time or another. Uh, one person writes that, that fear is the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind. Uh, and, and the nation of Israel had an intense fear, uh, that, that they were afraid of giants. Uh, and, and I, I'd like to to borrow the phrase from Max Lucado's book, Facing Your Giants, right at the very beginning of the of this. If you if you get this, you'll uh, you'll hear it, is that we need to really focus on the giants in our lives. You know? Uh, and and focus on God. All right. So when we focus on our own giants, that what our own tendency is is that we'll stumble. But when we focus on God, through uh whatever fear we may have those giants seem to fall away. And, and we're going to look at perhaps one of the, the best-known Bible stories of all time. Uh, and and so we're going to take a look at David and Goliath. Probably if we're talking about fear and the fear of giants, David and Goliath is a great story for that. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. As we read the account... The Philistines were were the arch enemies of Israel and had gathered for war against God's people. And notice in verse 3, the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, and the valley was between them. Neither side wanted to come down into the valley where they would be vulnerable. Now, I can say as a person who's actually been at this exact uh, valley, it is actually quite the setting. Uh, You can see uh, where each army would have been camped. And you can also see as our story comes out, uh, comes to pass, where Goliath would come out and how the valley is shaped in a natural amphitheater allows someone to shout from the bottom and to be very much heard from the top. So this is very much uh, a real place as we look at, at this valley and, and see the, the story. But as we walk through this encounter, I want us to draw out different strategies to help us to be able to go down the valley metaphorically and meet our fears head on. It's something that that was a challenge with Goliath. It was the challenge that David and Israel was having a problem with, right? And and so there's some things that we can see from, from David's story and from Israel's story that really shed light on on some ways in which we can develop our own strategies to go head on into the fears that we may have. And and this is very much universal, whatever those fears may be. So again, as we walk through this story, we can draw out some of the strategies that we can take in our own lives. The number one being is describe our problem. We see this in the Psalms. Uh, we see this uh, where immediately they identify the fear when they go to God. So we know that there's a, a pattern of this. This is not just a, a one-story occurrence. We see that throughout the Psalms, whenever people are afraid, when people, whenever people have big mountains to climb or fears in their lives, they go to God and they describe their problem. In verse, verses 4 to 7, we read about the Philistine champion named Goliath, who was more than two feet taller than uh, Shaquille O'Neal, if you uh, know, if, if you've ever been walking around as Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal. Most commentators estimate that he was probably about nine feet, nine inches tall, and he was decked out in army in uh, armor that probably weighed about 125 pounds, was armed with a javelin and a spear. He also had a, a shield bearer out in front, uh, and and this guy came to challenge the Israelites to smat to a to a fight and he would shout out blasphemies against God have you ever noticed that the enemy is well armed <laughs> that your fears are usually well armed and and that's probably something that we need to to identify as we describe our problem you know when Satan attacks us it is it is not just- a light attack. He comes well armed, knowing your fears uh, and, and and knowing what what hurts you the most, and and so us being able to go into battle, realizing that our enemy comes well equipped on on trying to destroy us, uh, it helps us in describing the problem that we're in. When I was in Toronto, I was working at a a restaurant, and and it was where the Toronto Raptors uh, NBA team would usually come. After games, uh, and and there's a guy playing for the Raptors at that time who was seven one. His name was Chris Bosh, and I remember him coming in one day, and it was raining outside, and he handed me his trench coat. And I kid you not, his trench coat was bigger than I was. I had to carry it above my head so it wouldn't touch the floor when I was when I was hanging it up for him, right, and. I mean, there was such a size difference. Now add another two feet onto that. He was seven one. Add another two and a half feet onto that, and you've got where Goliath is. In verses eight through ten, Goliath lays out the challenge. And look at verse ten: "This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight, uh, to fight each other." And the word "defy" is uh, actually used six different times in this passage and means to treat with contempt or treat with scorn, to taunt, to ridicule, to humiliate. So what Goliath was proposing was quite common back then. It was a one-on-one contest with the winner-take-all. Each side would send a representative to the valley and the two would fight. If the Philistine won, then the Israelites would surrender. If the Israelites won, the Philistines would surrender. The problem is that no one wanted to engage with a giant who was ha- who had 125 pounds of armor that was fully equipped and and was ready to destroy. <laughs> and was angry at that matter. And according to verse 11, it says that that Israel was dismayed and terrified. I mean, these are powerful words for a nation that had God as their leader, but it shows how their own emotion had actually creeped into the situation. And this problem wasn't going away either. In fact, verse 16 tells us that Goliath had come out to challenge them 80 times every morning and every night for 40 days. I mean, give it to Goliath. That's a lot of insults that you actually have to start thinking of if you think they're only going to come out after the first week. 40 days, uh, I mean, and in the Bible, 40 days is often associated with periods of testing and trial, all right? We we see this uh, in the wilderness. We see this as Jesus was tempted in the wilderness as well. Forty years uh, for Israel in uh, in the wilderness, uh, and and so we see that that this is a common number that is is used. And the question before them was: Would they flee from Goliath, or would they put their faith in God? And according to t- verse twenty four, they all ran away in great fear. Uh, and I think intimidation is our our major battle when we face giants um, and, and what that looks like for us. As we look ahead into the future and we see that there's something coming up ahead that we are going to fear that is going to be tough, our own emotion and our own fear, our own intimidation of seeing of, of not wanting to face this is often that the, the biggest problem that we have when facing our giants. So the question that we probably have to ask ourselves is, what giant are you facing today? In what area do you feel the most intimidated? In, in what part of your life do you feel the most overwhelmed? What problem is just paralyzing you with fear right now? What is the first thing you think of in the morning and the last thing that fills your mind before you go to bed at night? Now, yes, it's true. Your Goliath doesn't carry a sword or a shield. He brandishes blades of whether it's unemployment, abandonment, abuse, depression. But your giant doesn't parade up and down the hills and and down the valley of Elah. He's right there in your office, your bedroom, your classroom, wherever you may find yourself during the weeks. Your own giant brings bills you can't pay, gives you grades that that you just uh, aren't satisfied with puts people in your life uh, you can't please. Uh, whatever it may be, uh, you can name your giant and and for us, that's our Goliath. So what's your Goliath today? Describing your problem is the, the key thing, identifying what your Goliath is. Last week in, in the Sunday service, I talked about naming it and claiming it. Uh, and not in the monetary form, but what I was saying is it's like we need to be able to give this over to God. We need to be able to, to see what, where God is calling us and and see what may lie ahead. And, and whether we're dealing with doubt in our lives, whether we are dealing with depression in our lives or, or fear, we need to be able to name it so that we can give it over to God and and so describing our problem is a very key thing give it a name but don't live with the the shame uh because we know that that David framed it this way who is this uncircumcised philistine <laughs> uh, he immediately uh goes out and 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 goes right back at uh goes right back at Goliath and says who do you think you are Who do you think you are? And and then there's this challenge of saying, hey, I know who I serve. I know who's got my back. I think Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, and most people are familiar with that, has been so successful because the members have put the words to the giant they are facing right at the very beginning. Hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. And it's the very first step but it's identifying that giant and, and owning it. Saying, uh, putting the words of the giant they are facing into their mouth and, and, and stepping up and saying it. The next move uh, is is moving to the next point is make sure you're prepared, right? We can see that when we focus on our giants, we'll stumble, but when we focus on on God, our giants will, uh, will will disappear or will will face God head on, not just face us. But that means we need to make sure we're prepared. And at this point in the story, <clears throat> we're introduced to David. He was the youngest of eight boys. He'd been taken, he'd been uh, out taking care of sheep. He was asked to run an errand by his dad because the three oldest were, in, were at the battlefield. Uh, and David's uh, David's dad wanted a report on how Israel was doing, which was, as we know, not so good. And he wanted to send them some supplies. And And David delivers five pounds of roasted grain, ten loaves of bread, and ten chunks of cheese, eight miles from Bethlehem to the Elah Valley. Uh, and, or, sorry, 18 miles, roughly, uh, to the Elah Valley. One of the things that we realize in, in a lot of biblical stories and in historical context is that things aren't as far as they seem in modern-day Israel. Uh, Israel is not that big of a country, about eight hours to drive from north to south, and about four hours, oh, maybe four hours, but probably uh, three if you drove from east to west, from the Mediterranean to the Jordan border. Uh, the Jordan border. Uh, so he traveled, David travels 18 miles from Bethlehem, where they were, uh, to the Elah Valley. And... And he runs all the way. David was faithful in his tasks. I mean, he did common things uncommonly well (laughs) is probably a good way to say it. Uh, According to verse 20, he left his sheep in the care of another shepherd. And we know from chapter 16, verse 13, that he was prepared spiritually because he had been anointed by God to be the next king at this point. Uh, and, And we see that where it says the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Now, we're jumping ahead a bit, but it's also important to note that David's past experiences had prepared him for really this present challenge. When he was speaking to King Saul, he told him that, that he had killed a lion and a bear in verse 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of a lion and from the paw of a bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Incidentally, we know that David was... Uh, we know David was battle-ready from what shepherds would face on a day-in and day-out time frame. But, however, he was not necessarily prepared on his own to go into battle, yet he was declaring he was going into battle. What was different? And and this is where I really believe that it stands out for us, is we see that, yes, Israel, David saw who uh, the Philistines were. He knew who God was. And because of how he knew who God was, he knew that he had been anointed by God. He knew that he had the spirit of God. He knew that he was prepared for whatever God would put in his path. The challenge for us is to draw on God's past faithfulness in our lives and don't discount what God is doing right now in your life. One commentator puts it this way, this is often God's pattern for preparation. He calls us to be faithful right where we're at, then uses, us, uses our faithfulness to accomplish greater things for him in the future, so so take that into consideration, and he's preparing you for battles tomorrow. Be faithful to what he's called you to do, and be filled with God's Spirit. Everything that David accomplishes is through the Spirit of God, and and make sure you are totally sold out on on God in this. One way you can uh, do this, as we said, is public express your commitment to God. Uh, as a Christ follower, we do this through baptism. Uh, and, and if you are out there and you are wanting to be baptized, this is. let me just put in that plug that, hey, it's one of those things that you need to just get done and publicly declare who's going before you and in, in, in the God you believe in. Uh, and so baptism is one of those key components uh, to that in our own Christian walk. Another thing that that I, as as we continue taking a look at this, is let's make sure we don't look down on on others who may be dealing with fear, but rather come alongside them. It's a challenge that we need to uh, to, to to face in our churches, in our community, is to be able to say, "Hey, everybody brings value to." the community that we call church. David here was chosen for his character, not his credentials. He was chosen for his faith, not his physique. He knew uh, this to be true. You know, focus on giants. Uh, focus on your giants, and, and if you do it only on yourself, then you're going to stumble. The moment you put God between you and those giants, you're going to see that victory. Uh, and so... Again, understand that whatever fears you may have, um, you're being chosen for your character, not necessarily your credentials, and and for your faith, right? And this is where we see see David. And so as we head into next week, and we're going to continue through this story, because I realized, of course, about halfway into this that uh, I've got plenty more to say about this. I know, surprise, surprise. Uh, but as we go, we're going to continue through this, 1 Samuel 17, uh, and and really take a look at, at how we can start to overcome fears in the future. We've spent so much time dealing with it in the past and our struggles and what may be happening in the present right now. But now we can say, knowing how God refines us, how can we really start to address some of those fears we know are coming down uh, coming down the road, uh, and so so ask yourself today: What is your giant? Who is your giant? Uh, name name your problem. Name the giant that you are facing or going to be facing. Uh, and and I can tell you that n- part of that now is is not only naming it, but make sure that you are prepared. And we're going to talk about more how we can do that uh, next week as we continue on with this. But let me finish with there. And I'm looking forward to next week as we continue on in First Samuel chapter 17. So take care, have a great week, and I will see you next week.